0: If you're putting yourself in the position of being an order taker, you are giving away your authority mm-hmm. on the subject matter. If they were able mm-hmm. to do it for themselves in the first place, they wouldn't be coming to you. They yeah. need you to guide and to lead them.
1: You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Jovanazzo don't look now jill but the sun is actually shining really i mean you just we're on zoom as we're recording this and i just saw you look out the window so yes it is and you know this because you just looked out the window to see it
0: yeah well i wasn't supposed to look so i had to ask the question
1: i don't understand
0: you don't have to it makes sense to me and that's all that matters right
1: um sure let's go with that (laughs) especially because today's episode we're going to be talking about something that is near and dear to your heart which is team and all of that fun stuff I'm a little concerned (laughs) that this is like your favorite topic and this is how distracted you are as we're going into it
0: I am not distracted
1: just being well that's It's because there's no kitten in the room to distract you.
0: No, he's he's over in the other room. I made sure of that this time.
1: (laughs) No crying, whining kittens in the background. There's no Spencer appearances on this podcast today. I'm sorry if you were looking forward to a Spencer appearance on this podcast, but you'll have to wait for another day.
0: I actually had him. I was doing recordings for submissions that had been put in by our clients, and he decided to uh, zoom bomb at one point. Okay, like right in my lap on my keyboard. All right
1: did he have good feedback to give the clients at least?
0: He looked at the screen and then he turned his head away and walked around my keyboard and left. So Oh, so he was
1: more of the typing feedback type
0: than the auditory. Yeah, it wasn't very auditory.
1: Okay, all right. Spencer should not be part of your product ops team is what I'm hearing, is that he probably should be fired from that job.
0: I don't think he had the job to begin with, so yes, no. <laughs> Let's not have any kitty cats on the various product ops teams, but who we want on the product ops team, though, is a really interesting question that we're going to be talking about today.
1: Yeah, so before we get into the meat of structuring the team for delivery and all of that kind of stuff, there's a couple things that we need to do first. The first thing is that we need to define what we mean by product ops. And the second thing is we need to talk about why this is where we start. And I think I want to tackle the second piece of that equation first, the why do we start here? And the reason is because it's coming directly out of what we talked about on our last episode, which is going through and figuring out how you're going to use the three dials to make your delivery more scalable.
0: The interesting thing on this particular technique that I love is how This is about looking both towards the future and looking then at the current. And we get to dream a little bit, and that's always a fun exercise too.
1: Really what we're talking about here when we're talking about product ops is the way that you deliver your product. And and not just you, as in the person you, but as in your business. But there's going to come a point at which you can't use leverage without losing the personal touch. And that's where we need to start looking at the team side of this high-value hybrid equation.
0: And so by this point, if you've been following us along as we've been doing these podcasts, you have probably made some adjustments, work tweaks and dials with regards to your offer. And now we get to play around a little bit and dream about how we want this to be delivered when you have a billion-dollar business. We call this Ooh. the billion dollar team exercise and it, it's yeah. know, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so we're talking here specifically about how you get yourself out of being the person that has to do all the delivery. I think you're right, Jill. The, the fastest and easiest way to do that is to go to the other extreme and to imagine if this was a billion dollar business, you definitely wouldn't be doing all the things in a billion dollar business. So what would that look like if you had a billion-dollar business and a billion-dollar team.
0: Exactly. Just because we're talking about taking you out of what you have to do in the product ops team, that doesn't mean that you don't ever get to do any of the fun stuff that you love doing ever again. Mm -hmm. We're talking about it from a sense of you get to choose at that point if you want to be in that and be doing that. and Maybe you even get to choose who your clients are but you are not the one that has to be doing it in order for your business to continue to grow and scale.
1: Yeah, and the analogy I like to use here is if you could have your team running all the client calls, all the sales, all the marketing, all of the delivery of the product, all of the development of the product, all of that, if they had that covered on a day-to-day basis, then you could choose to parachute in and parachute back out when you wanted to, whether that's that you wanted to work, as you said, Jill, with specific clients. Maybe you just wanna work with VIP clients while the bulk of the client base is being served by your team and by your business. Maybe you wanna be able to surprise and delight and you pop onto a client call, like I'm thinking of one of our clients who went to a meeting and (laughs) the client turned to him and said, jokingly, but, Who's this guy right because he got to surprise and delight by showing up in person for this meeting and that was a really neat way for him to stay in touch with the clients as well as to be able to surprise and delight as we said those individual clients, but this can be really hard for people to conceptualize when they're so in the thick of the doing of the work and when your business is at that. 20K a month, 30K a month, 40K a month, 50K a month level that we've been talking about because imagining a situation where you don't have to be there in order for these things to happen
0: can be really challenging. So a billion dollar team, what this is, is when you're doing a billion dollars in fulfillment, you are delivering a billion dollars worth of value to your clients, Who are you going to need on your side in order to deliver that value to the extent and to the level that you want it to be delivered to them, that that high level of client results that we were talking about, the value last week?
1: If you imagine, sometimes people have a hard time, I think, wrapping their head around the idea of a billion dollar business. But let's say that you had 100 people and there was 100 people on your team who are dedicated to getting client results what would those hundred people be doing?
0: I often like using our one as an example because it it gives me a chance to just go back and dream. And sometimes I actually find (laughs) little other things that I'm like, oh, I want that too. So, (laughs) you know, one of the very first things that always comes to mind for me, aside from more coaches, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: That's a really nice and easy one to say that I want... A billion dollar team for the VCA would have a whole lot more coaches with specializations in things like diversity and marketing and finance. And not everyone would have all of those specializations.
1: (laughs) No, they would each have their own specialization. But as a team, as a coaching team, you'd cover off all these different areas. Exactly.
0: Let me pause here and say we are not talking about finding 100 unicorns, by the way. No. Okay, We'll talk more about that in a second. But we're not trying to find 100 unicorns. Going back to the coaches. So coaches are one thing, right? But in order for me looking at this from a client delivery perspective, I need someone to run herd on those coaches. I want someone to own that coaching experience for the Mm -hmm. client. So I actually need a head coach as well to say, what does coaching look like to make those decisions?
1: Another example that I can think of here, like you talked about coaches. One of the things that we do in the academy is that we offer workshops. And so is the person who's doing one-on-one individual coaching necessarily going to be the same person that's facilitating workshops and the answer is maybe not because if someone really loves one-on-one coaching like jill does they may not love doing group trainings and workshops like i do and so we know that as a billion dollar team those are probably going to be separate people in separate roles
0: exactly and then taking it from another track, a program advisor, someone to ensure that each client is on track throughout their entire academy experience. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: I'm thinking about some of our clients who have service-oriented businesses. That's like the account manager, yeah. right? So in our context, regardless of which coach they're speaking to, there's still a program director or a program advisor, maybe, who's responsible for moving them. And there might be multiple program advisors.
0: Delivery is an amazingly big piece of the puzzle. But there's a whole side of the coin that is deciding what is getting delivered in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what program are we delivering? What does that program look like? So, having someone to actually manage, for example, the curriculum behind Mm -hmm. that, being and coordinating, ensuring that the curriculum is up to date and is meeting the client needs on. day-to-day basis and adjusting to industry changes
1: and not just like for things that are changing out there in the world but as the market evolves as the clients evolve as as we get better right part of what will happen in this billion dollar world is that the coaches are going to have these coaching conversations and they're going to be feeding that back and saying hey I used this analogy today and it really hit. It worked really well. And the coaching team's going to go out and they're going to try that and they're all going to realize that this is a brilliant analogy and we should all be using it. So then what happens is that then that gets passed over into the development side and it gets put into the curriculum, it gets put into the materials so that every client gets the benefit of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. and so that brings up a whole other role, which is essentially curriculum support and the developers behind that who actually uh-huh. are producing IP and assets for client consumption. Yeah. We've got copywriters or graphic designers, website folks, people that are handling whatever learning platform you might be using or not using.
1: I think a lot of people are used to thinking about that level of support with the development, like having someone to do your graphics and produce your worksheets and do your slides and that kind of thing. But this idea that other people on the team could actively be working to make your product better and that those ideas don't have to all come from you. Again, we're not saying those ideas can't come from you, but we're talking about essentially having subject matter experts who know this stuff inside out and backwards, who are constantly developing and growing their own skills, you could have a whole team of people who are coming to this and looking at it and saying, here's how we can make this better based on my expertise and my expertise and my expertise.
0: So there's a lot going on here. And this is just a small fraction of what could be part of our product fulfillment, product delivery team. But one thing Mm -hmm. I want to mention here is you may have noticed this, that as we've been going through these people through these roles, not only have we been saying who they are from a role perspective, like what their job is, the event producer, the head coach, but we've also been giving a one sentence phrase of what the most important thing, we call this the job number one, what the most important thing is, why that role exists.
1: And I think what's really useful as you're doing this is to use your value map To go through and say, what are all the different things, right? We just spent all that time breaking your process down, looking at your high value hybrid and how you're going to structure things. So you want to go through and make sure that each of those areas are covered and your billion dollar team may have one person per bullet item on your value map? Probably not, but there's a lot of depth you can go to for imagining what kind of specialties you could have.
0: This is all well and good. We're having fun, (laughs) lots of fun dreaming here. But how does that actually relate to where you are right now?
1: Yeah, We're not gonna go and hire a billion dollar team tomorrow because we don't have a billion dollar business. It would be a really good way to go billion dollar bankrupt. Most people, they pick a job title And then they go and they try and fill that with whatever it ends up being. But what we're talking about here is actually looking at where we want to end up in terms of what are all the specialties? What are all the job number ones we could end up with? And then how would that translate into the size of business and the size of team that we have right now? So again, Jill, you walk our clients through this all the time, so I'm gonna let you explain it rather than me trying and making a mess of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the big thing here is, the very first thing you wanna do is to to go through and start to pull together job number ones. So don't worry about the roles, don't worry about the job titles, don't worry about those aspects. Look at those sentences that you've been writing down that you've been thinking about and start to combine responsibilities. That's what they are, right? The job number ones are responsibilities Uh into something that'll work for your current business. Now, the big thing to note here is that as you're looking to combine these roles, try to combine like with like as much as possible. If you start seeing yourself pulling in things that don't relate at all, they shouldn't go together in the same role because then you're trying to create what we would consider to be a unicorn. Someone who is really great at multiple areas. And we don't want to do that because unicorns, honestly, while they're not necessarily as hard to find as you might think, they are really expensive for the type of role that we often end up putting them in, which is much lower than, Mm -hmm. a lower level of responsibility, lower level of ownership than what we end up paying them for.
1: And so what happens is people hire... They look for unicorns, they hire generalists, but they hire low level generalists. They're not hiring really good, high quality people who can take a responsibility, who can take a job and run without without needing to be managed. And I know we're going to talk a lot more about that idea in the next episode when we talk about the broader team structure and all of those kind of things. But I think it's an important point that you bring up here, Jill, which is. We want to be grouping like with like and keeping the dislike things apart, right? If you've got something that is like producing events, probably isn't going to go along with the person who's managing the technology for your client center, right? We're going through, we're grouping these things together and we're going to end up with however many groupings. Mm we have for for the types of businesses that we're talking about here maybe quarter million half a million dollars Jill how many different groupings do you think makes sense
0: when we're talking specifically in the product delivery product fulfillment area we i usually tend to see 2 to 4 groupings mm-hmm. I say two to four because the next step, which we'll get to in a second, is about the amount of time you spend in each of these. Yeah. And There's a whole conversation that we can have about contractors and employees and all of that kind of stuff. But we'll <laughs> pause that for a second. I have a great big soapbox about it. Happy to get on that soapbox anytime you want. But I usually tend to see for product fulfillment, two to four is our general okay.
1: So you're going to take this billion dollar team and you're going to group things until you have two to four different groupings, categories, positions, ultimately, is what we're talking about. Because what you've come to now is you've taken the job number ones for what were five different eventual job titles, and you have grouped them together so that now you have one job with five different responsibilities, five different things to take ownership over, five different job number ones. So yes, you can't have five things that are number one, And so you will have to prioritize within that new role that you've created. But the idea here is that eventually you could have a specialist for each of those roles, which means right now it might only be two roles. But once your business grows and you get too busy, Now you split one of those roles in half. Half the job number ones go one place. Half the job number ones go to another. Now you have three roles.
0: Because we've done this from your end point in mind, you don't have to recreate the wheel every time you expand and you can expand your team and you can scale up further. You can Mm -hmm. just break those pieces out because they were already broken out to begin with. And so just to kind of give you an example of what a compilation could look like, Again, going back to the billion dollar team that we were talking about, our example, right? One could be ensuring client prog- each client is on track through their academy experience, provide one-on-one coaching, review client submissions and provide feedback, and run group workshops with clients.
1: Now, I don't know, Jill, but that sounds an awful lot like the makings of a job description that you just gave there.
0: Funny enough. It's almost <laughs> like we planned it that way.
1: When you got these responsibilities in place, now you can have a job description that says, hey, these are the five or six things that you are responsible for doing or taking care of, and it changes the entire conversation.
0: And you can see how grouping together the like with like lends itself to building up an entire position that someone can fill.
1: Exactly, you're no longer looking for a unicorn, you're looking for someone who has a very specific set of skills once you know what your high value hybrid looks like, there's one more tool that you can apply at this point that is so powerful in terms of helping your business to use efficiencies and economies of scale as you grow so that the work doesn't become overwhelming. And that is my favorite tool, which is called cohorting.
0: Yes, she loves this one. And don't so get to our me clients. Wrong. I love it too, but.
1: Yeah, and our clients love it too, let's be fair. That's true. Cohorting is when you have essentially batching done on a large scale. So the easiest way to explain this is with an example. And we used a coaching business example for the first part. I'm going to use a service business example for the second uh, part that we're talking about with cohorting. So in a service-based business, let's imagine that you have a web design or web development company. And you could have every client that comes in to work with you. They do the sales call, they sign the contract, you start the next week. And that's how most businesses operate. You buy, you start right away. But from a efficiencies standpoint, it's really challenging because you've got different projects that are at different stages, different people doing different things, and you're trying to manage all of these pieces. Someone's in design, someone's in development, someone's in QA, someone's waiting on copy, and you need a massive project management system just to be able to figure out what's going on.
0: I'm, I'm chuckling because I'm remembering our previous workplace and the project management system that they ended up having to build to handle this exact thing. And it was huge and clunky, but it had to be done because otherwise there was just so many moving pieces that no one person could keep track.
1: Or then we go and we hire a project manager, but the problem isn't the project manager. The problem is that all of these moving pieces are everywhere and all over the place. So now let's contrast that example with a cohorted approach. And a cohorted approach in our web design and development company would look like, okay, you purchased in January. That's great. For the next few weeks, we have some onboarding information for you to take care of. You're gonna to need to gather this information. You're gonna to need to get it to us. You have to get that information to us by January 31st so that on the first Monday of February, we can start your project. And we will take everything you've given us and the first week of the project, we're gonna do design. And then the second week of the project, we're going to give you the design so that you can review and give us feedback. And then the third week of the project, we're going to do revisions and updates. And all of the clients, doesn't matter when they bought in January, they now are on the same system in terms of this week you're doing this, this week you're doing this.
0: And now just think about this for a second, right? Those are tedious task. I can think of, like, from an accounting perspective, I was just on a call with one of our accounting clients who's starting to use this methodology for her clients. And all of the odds and ends that they have to get them to gather ahead yeah. of time can all be now done in a batch and dealt with. And you yeah. can start to see how this efficiency can build on top of everything that goes forward.
1: A lot of people, they hear cohorting and they think groups And some of our clients do this. They'll go and they'll say, anyone who bought during January, we're going to have a group onboarding call the first week of February. And that's totally fine, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can cohort all of your clients one-on-one, and they never even know that you are working with all of the same clients at all the same part of the process. But think about how this changes the experience of your team with delivery. All they have to know is that this is the first week of the month. Therefore, we're working on this. It is now the second week of the month. Therefore, we're working on this. Staffing becomes easier. Projections for financials become easier. Managing workloads become easier. And the best part, in my opinion, there's an authentic deadline for your clients, because if they miss the deadline to get their stuff in, they now have to wait till the next
0: run. Often what I hear from our clients when we first start talking about cohorting is they start talking about how their clients are unique and how no one ever takes the same amount of time and how do we address that? So tell me a little bit more, what do you see When you're going through and you're talking through this cohorting, how do you see that working?
1: Parkinson's law says that a task will expand to the time allotted to it. The challenge is that as business owners, we think that operating on the client's schedule is of good service. We think that we should be essentially order taking from them. They'll get it to us when they're ready. And so what happens is if we set a deadline, it's a very soft deadline, right? Oh, it's okay. You missed it. There's no consequences. So putting in place a deadline and saying, this is when it has to be done by, while being, of course, respectful of how much time it's going to take, making sure you're giving them enough time to do it, and then actually backing that up with real consequences and saying, hey, this needs to be here or else this is going to happen. You are now in a position to lead your clients and to help them make progress in a way that if you're just waiting for them to send you stuff on their schedule, you never get there.
0: Well, And and let's just take this one step further, right? If you're putting yourself in the position of being an order taker, as you put it, which is a good description of what that sets you up as. You are giving away your authority Mm -hmm. on the subject matter. If they were able Mm -hmm. to do it for themselves in the first place, they wouldn't be coming to you. They need you to guide and to lead them. And so this is, is a key component that I often end up coaching a lot of our clients through is that how often they have given away their power And this is a Mm -hmm. great method for gaining it back. Now,
1: the example that we've been using here is of a service-based business where it's anytime intake. Clients can come and start with you whenever. And we've been talking about how cohorting provides a benefit to those businesses, whether it's that you only intake new clients once a month or every six weeks or every two weeks, right? The exact duration doesn't matter. The key is that you're actually looking at ways you can batch these tasks together and set that leadership example for your clients. What's interesting is that in the coaching world and on the coaching side of the equation, folks are really used to doing this. But they put so long between their cohorts that they have people sitting and waiting, people who want to give you money, coaches, and you're sitting there waiting, saying, you have to wait until I open the cart for this launch in six months' time. And that's not what we want either.
0: No, exactly. Because then, as you said, you're leaving money on the table, but situations change. Things change. And the people that are coming to you are coming to you because they see what you're offering and the need that you're trying to fulfill and they know that they fit that need. yeah. And they will change if you don't step forward and, and allow them to come in and change with you.
1: My soapbox <laughs> for this one is that I think that wait lists are not good for your clients. I think that launches are not good for your clients. And I think that any time entry isn't good for your clients. The alternative one of our clients called it is this is like wave launching. It's not that we have any time access. It's not that we have launches every six months, is that every month we're enrolling a new cohort. Just like the waves rolling up on the shore, one comes up and then it retreats. And then one comes up and then it retreats. And it creates such a beautiful rhythm for your business.
0: And one that actually not only is easy to bring your clients onto, but an aspect that we haven't talked about is it actually makes it a lot easier on your team as well to bring them in fresh. right? Any new hires treating them to manage a cohorted system or to work within a cohorted system is much less complex than uh-huh. trying to go inside something that is evergreen or even from a launching methodology because it is a, like launches they're intense especially yeah. if you're only doing once every six months and you're trying for a million dollars like that's a five hundred thousand dollar launch that takes a lot of effort
1: That's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of you got to get it right or else. So you're exactly right in that being able to have this opportunity to bring people into a cohorted system, whether you've got a service or you've got a more coaching program type thing, this cohorting system is like the icing on the cake that takes the three dials and the... Billion dollar team ideas that we talked about earlier. And it really allows you to take it to that next level and create that infinite scalability.
0: Yeah, exactly. See, and then once you've got that, we can start layering on what does the rest of the team look like? We, we've been focusing here on product delivery, product fulfillment, right? Looking at the people that are doing the work, that are doing the delivery, that are creating the product. There's a whole other aspect to the business here. There's not just product, there's more (laughs) structures. And so the next thing is to now then look at how does all of that fit into the puzzle and also too, how do we keep you out of the weeds in that puzzle itself?
1: Exactly. So we're talking about you're going to need support in sales and marketing in your billion dollar business. You're going to need support with HR. You're going to need support with paperwork. We're going to need all of these moving pieces. And the really important thing is what Jill said, which is that we need to make sure that as you grow your business, that you aren't the person through whom all of the decisions and all of the conversations and all of the information flows. We need to get you out of being the person holding it all together.
0: Essentially, what we're talking about here is how do we promote you inside your own business?
1: Yeah, get you out of being just an individual contributor to actually being the person at the top of what we call the visionary pyramid. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week on our next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag visionaryceopodcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brienne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com podcast for more info and to get started.